You're listening to Law and Gospel on this Monday, February the 27th, in the year of our Lord, 2023. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and as is our custom, we like to look at a reading or so from the following Sunday, which is going to be the second Sunday in Lent, March the 5th, 2023. Uh, The readings are from Genesis 12, Romans 4, and John chapter 3. These are all great readings. Uh, We could easily have a a two-and-a-half-hour sermon going through each reading. They're just wonderful readings. And we're going to choose this morning Romans chapter 4. Romans. Romans would be a great book to have people look at when they are not a Christian and want to know what Christianity means. There is this wonderful distinction between law and gospel. That's what this program is about. A lot of people think that the law is the way to be saved. That's absolutely in error. And that's what Romans 4 is talking about. But it begins with, What then shall we say was gained by Abraham? Now, Jesus had a conversation with unbelieving Pharisees. They knew he was born out of wedlock. And they said, Well, we though are of Abraham. And they thought because they had a flesh connection to Abraham, that therefore that's why they were saved. That's where Gentiles were looked down upon. Now, the problem with that is that Abraham was not saved by what Judaism thought salvation was, by works. So, What I want to read before I get to Romans chapter 4 is Romans chapter 3, when Paul asks, what shall we then say was gained by Abraham? What is he talking about? We go back to chapter 3, verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. Now, this is a very clear statement that you do not become righteous by obedience to the law. It has been manifested or revealed that one is declared righteous apart from your obedience to the law. And and that is witness, Paul says, by the law and the prophets. Now, the law and the prophets, that phrase refers to the books of the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we talk about the gospel and the epistles. The law in the Old Testament, first five books of Moses, and the prophets are the rest of the writings of the Old Testament. And Paul is saying that this idea that we are not saved by the law, but righteousness comes a different way, 
that is revealed or manifested in the Old Testament. Verse 22 says, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. This is huge. This is what the Reformation was all about, is that one is not saved by works we do, but by the works of Jesus Christ and the promises that Jesus gives according to those works. And therefore, if you believe the promises, you are saved, regardless of the level of your works. So if, if that is true, then chapter four begins, what shall we then say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? So Paul is making a point that Jesus also made. Is there an advantage that you are related to Abraham by the flesh like the unbelieving Pharisees thought? Is there an advantage to that? Verse 2 continues. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. Wow. This reminds us of the passage from Ephesians. For by grace you have been saved through faith, not on account of your works, lest anyone should boast. Now, why were they boasting? Re remember the parable of Jesus, of the tax collector versus the Pharisee? The tax collector asked that his sins be forgiven, that God be merciful to him because he was a great sinner. The Pharisee said, thank you that I'm not like these tax collectors or these sinners because I do certain things according to the Bible. I give a tithe, I fast. Now these were ceremonial laws and they thought that by them they were saved by obedience to them. And Jesus makes very clear in the parable that the man who becomes righteous in God's sight is the tax collector who is very repentant of his sins, is humbled by the fact he's such a great sinner and turns to God for help. So, Paul is saying in chapter 4, verse 2 of Romans, if Abraham was justified by works, he would have something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Now, this is really critical. When Paul wants to give evidence for what is true, he doesn't use human reason. He doesn't use human logic because he realizes that an unbeliever cannot fathom, cannot understand what the scriptures have to say. 
In fact, we were going through a section in Proverbs, which we will do on Wednesday. And it's only about 10 verses. I did not understand four or five of the verses in the English. I read them and I said, what is Solomon talking about by inspiration of the Holy Spirit? And so we had to do some work. And how did we figure out what those verses meant? Well, you'll hear that on Wednesday. But the way we figured it out was by using scripture, interpret scripture. And that's what Paul's doing here. What does the scripture say? In fact, many of the statements of Jesus were based on what Holy Scripture had to say. That's why Jesus knew that he was going to die on a cross because Psalm 22 says he's pierced in hands and feet. That doesn't occur by drowning in a lake. That doesn't occur by being killed in war. It occurs by being crucified. And so there are hundreds of passages that Jesus could use on the road to Emmaus in talking to the two disciples to explain the necessity of the Messiah's death and the need for his resurrection. So that's why he says in verse three, for what does the scripture say? You know, we've said this many a time. If I say something you disagree with, then let me know and if I can't give you a Bible verse to back it up, then turn the station. I am a false teacher. All things that pastors say need to be backed up by Bible verses. For example, we're going through two adult instruction classes uh, at a church that we help. One at 7.30 in the morning and then another at noon that same day different people. And I made the point that when we look at Luther's small catechism, we need to realize that whatever he says there is really a quote from scripture. So you want to know what it means? Look up the scriptural verse and then look at the context to allow scripture to interpret scripture. So in talking about what do we gain by having Abraham as our forefather in the flesh, he now says, what does the scripture say? And continues, it says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Remember God came to Abraham Abraham was very old, what, 75, Sarah was 60, and God said, you will have a baby. They were way past childbearing age. And 25 years later, Sarah gave birth to Isaac. That's what Paul is talking about here. When Abraham was told by God, that he would have a child. That didn't make any sense. That was against human reason. But Abraham believed God. 
and God declared him righteous. Why? Not because any work that he was doing, but because he had faith in the promises. And where did that faith come from? That wasn't something that Abraham decided to believe. It was given to him by the Holy Spirit that he therefore received faith to believe the promises. And therefore, God declared him to be righteous. Verse 4, Now to him who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. Yes, when I worked at Chrysler, uh, in between times that I was going to the seminary, I would get a check every two weeks. I did not consider that a gift. No, that was something I had merited because I had worked on the assembly line. Therefore, it was not a gift. It was something that was due to me. And then Paul continues, and the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteous. Wow. That is the essence of Christianity, that you cannot be declared righteous by God when he looks at your life because you are ungodly. As an unbeliever, you are unable to even do one good work perfectly because a good work perfectly done is not just doing it outwardly, but doing it inwardly. That is with the proper motivation. And our motivation is because of Jesus Christ. Look what he's done for you. He died on the cross. He paid for your sins. He gives you promises. You who are ungodly are declared to be righteous because you believe the promises, not because you obey the commandments. The commandments, therefore, have a different reason. So, he, Paul, is talking about Abraham, is also one of those who is justified, even though he was ungodly. His faith, that is his belief in the promises of God, was counted as righteousness. Then verse 6, just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. I mean, if you're trying to find a Bible verse to help an unbeliever recognize the truth of Christianity, this Romans 4 is tremendous. It is so clear that a person does not become righteous in God's sight by his works, but through his faith. And therefore, David is quoted 
in what he has to say. This is verse 7 and 8 of chapter 4. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Now, if you've been listening to Law and Gospel for some months or years, we're on the radio now 26 years, you will hear us say that again and again. What is the meaning of forgiveness? I like to say that the meaning of forgiveness is that God does not hold you accountable for your sin. Yes, you sin, but you don't pay the payment for it. Jesus Christ did on the cross. And that's what this verse says. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. I mean, this is really against human reason. It's kind of like you get arrested for maybe robbing a bank. And you go to court and you look at the judge and you say, I know what I did was wrong. I repent of it. Please forgive me. And the judge, who is a member of your congregation, says, oh, because of your repentance, you are free to go. That, that, that doesn't happen in the temporal realm. What do I mean by the temporal realm? I mean the life we live here on earth in comparison to life in the spiritual realm, which is in the kingdom of God. That's why baptism is so critical, which is, by the way, part of our gospel reading for today. When Nicodemus, who is not only a ruler of the Jews, but in their holy court, the Sanhedrin, Jesus says, that unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus thinks, I have to get back in my mother's womb? No, Jesus says, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And that's how you are born again. Baptism gives an assurance that you are declared righteous in God's sight, not because you are so good, but because Jesus was so good. Now, our text from Romans goes from verse 1 to verse 8 of chapter 4, and then it skips to verse 13, through 17. So what does that have to say? Verse 13, for the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. 
Boy, there's another passage. Just have that memorized. Romans 4, verse 13, that he and his offspring, and that's in the plural, which means all those who, like Abraham, believe the promises of the gospel, not the promises of the law. There are promises of the law again and again. If you do this, then you will be saved but nobody can do it. So by the law, instead comes a knowledge of sin. It's kind of like a mirror. You look in a mirror when you wake up in the morning and you decide I need to wash my face, I need to comb my hair and so forth because you wanna look differently when you go to work than when you first wake up. That's what the law does. It shows that you fail in your good works. You therefore need another way of salvation. And if you are a true offspring of Abraham, that does not come about by your doing good works, like the Pharisees thought, or by the flesh being related to Abraham, your righteousness comes because like Abraham believed a promise that is ridiculous to the world. It's unreasonable, but the Holy Spirit creates faith in you. It's not that faith saves you. That, that is an error some Christians make. You'll ask them, if you die, will you go to heaven? They'll say, oh yes, I will because of my faith. No, it's not because of your faith you're going to heaven. It's because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's why you're going to heaven. And your faith is given to you by the Holy Spirit to believe those promises. And therefore, your righteousness does not come through the law but through the righteousness of faith. That's what verse 13 says. Then verse 14, for if it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. Boy, you can't say it better than Paul says in Romans 4, that if you are saved by your obedience to the law, then your faith is null and void. And the promises, they don't mean anything. And they didn't mean anything to the unbelieving Pharisees. They heard the promises of Jesus and they rejected them because they could not have faith. They declared it to be wrong. Continuing in verse 18, for the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. But we have the law. Adam and Eve had the law. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
Israel got the law at Mount Sinai. And so there was transgression. That means sin against the law. It means you trespassed into areas that God did not want you to go. And you decided you were God, like Adam and Eve decided, according to the temptation of the serpent in the garden. No, if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will then become like God. And that's why they sinned. Going on, verse 16 of chapter 4. That is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Now that's a really wonderful verse because in your life of sanctification, you can adhere to the law. That's not considered to be a good work. It's considered to be a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Just take a look at the parable of the sheep and the goats to understand that distinction. As it is written, now, once more, Paul goes to the scriptures about Abraham. I have made you the father of many nations. So that's what Abraham heard in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. What is Paul talking about here? How do we understand that English translation? We understand it that what did not exist was forgiveness, and you have now received the gift that did not exist prior to faith, not prior to obedience. We'll continue tomorrow as we look at the hymn, Lord, Thee I Love with All My Heart. It's distinctions between law and gospel. Until then, God bless Listen to you. Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check out to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.